Hey, this is Jacob Burgai, lead pastor at Field Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today to hear this message. You know, I'm reminded that the Word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I just believe that as you hear God's Word, that your faith is going to grow in every area of your life. Thank you for joining us, and for more information about Field Church, check us out, thefuelchurch.com. Have a great day. It is the most wonderful time of the year, and I I love this time of year, don't you? There's just something special about it. I love the lights. I love driving around looking at the lights. We were going through our neighborhood this week, looking at all the decorations and all the stuff people put up. Um, Our cul-de-sac is pretty much hashtag rocking it for our neighborhood, hashtag awesome cul-de-sac, hashtag the winner, hashtag the coolest cul-de-sac in Indiana, just saying. It's a lot of hashtags. But, I mean, we're rocking. I mean, all the houses are lit up. I mean, it looks amazing. I love the Christmas songs, don't you? Do you love the Christmas songs? Do you love your neighbor you're sitting by right now? If not, you can move. You can move. Yeah, yeah. Some of you don't know what you love. Some of you don't even know you're here. Welcome to Fuel Church. You are here. (laughs) Rough night in the club. Uh Uh-oh. It's okay. There's grace. We have fun here, so if you don't like to have fun, go to that church that had horrible worship that I was watching. I'm not telling you which church it was. Be nice. I love the Christmas songs. I even love the Starbucks red cups. Now they put a design on it, because last year, you know, I almost lost my salvation drinking from the all red cup. (laughs) Hashtag religious Christians. Anyway, I love sipping on my favorite Starbucks. I love giving gifts. And yes, I do. I know I'm selfish. I love getting gifts. Don't you? Come on. Not just socks and underwear. I mean, that's fun, right? There's nothing like a brand new pair of undies. Come on, somebody. I love being with family. And uh, I'm praying this year that we'll have some white stuff that falls, right? I I love snow. For all you snow haters, then move to Florida. Move to Florida. There's, There's land available right now. Move. Um, they go. And, uh, but most of all, I, I think, I think, as I think about the season, it's, it's very, uh, very easily to get sidetracked with all that stuff. And that's all fun, and I'm all for that. But I have to intentionally uh, put things in perspective of what this season is about, don't you? I have to remind myself as I'm out shopping. Hashtag not Walmart. Anyway. Um, as I'm out shopping, as I'm out celebrating the season, I have to remind myself that this is all about heaven coming down to earth. This is all about God coming in the form of a flesh down to earth. And I pray that we keep things in perspective and we don't get so easily caught up and forget about what this season is about. Because it's not only this time of the year that our lives should testify of who Jesus is, But it should be all year round, right? That we should testify of who the Savior is in our life. Jesus said it like this, no one, someone say no one. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone, everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light, your good deeds shine out for all to see so that The so that is very important. So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Jesus said, listen, listen, not just in December, but all year round, 
You should let your light shine. So that your life is testifying of Jesus. Amen? So for the next few weeks, we're going to discover people who came to testify of the Savior and see how it relates to our lives. Our scripture is Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Check it out here on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shined around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you bad news. No, no. What's that say? Good news of sadness. No, great joy that will be for all people. Are you people in here? There's no aliens in here, right? Okay, we're people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Testify. Someone say testify. The word in the Webster's Dictionary means this, to give evidence as a witness. To give evidence as a witness or to serve evidence or proof of something existing. I'm going to read that again. The definition is to give evidence as a witness. We are to give evidence. We are the witnesses. We are the light shining in the darkness. It also means to serve evidence or proof of something existing. Today, we're going to look at how God testifies. God testifies, and he gives some very clear evidence, some very clear proof. He shows humanity that he is in love with them, simply put. And he enters into their lives despite their efforts to keep him out. God intrudes. You see, the life of Jesus can be bracketed by two impossibilities. Number one, a virgin's womb, and number two, an empty tomb. Hmm? Jesus entered our world through a door marked no entrance, and he left through a door marked no exit. So let's look at some evidence that will prove that God came to testify. Point number one is God came to earth. Can you say that with me? God came to earth. God came to earth. This is the relevance of Christmas. This is the relevance of Christmas. Now, when the Allies landed on Normandy on D-Day, that was big news, right? When the first man landed on, on, on the moon, that was big news, right? But it was bigger news when God landed on earth. Think about it. God landed on earth. And Jesus Christ is God himself. It was God that came to earth. Colossians 1, verse 15 and 16 says this, Jesus Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything. If Jesus really was God, and God came to earth, then Christmas is the most relevant event of history. Hmm? Matthew 1, 23, this is Matthew alluding to the prophecy of Isaiah. 
in the Old Testament. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall call him what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. This did not mean that they were going to name the baby Emmanuel. It meant that God with us was the baby's identity. So this baby Jesus, his identity was God is with us. Amen? Jesus was God coming in the flesh to dwell with man. Number two, God became a man. Say that with me, church. God became a man. This speaks of the reality of Christmas, doesn't it? That even in, that this is even more difficult really to understand if you were God and you were going to come to earth, of all the ways you could choose to reveal yourself, would you come as a baby? I mean, if I was God, I would come as something a little more powerful than a baby. I mean, it cries, it poops, you know what I'm saying? It sleeps. I mean, it messes up your life, but it's not really that. I mean, if I'm God, I'm going to just come as some superhero kind of person right off the bat. I'm not going to wait to grow up (laughs) to do my miracles. But God came as a human being. Philippians 2, verse 7 and 8. And we're laying a foundation here. Are you with me today? Because I dressed up all for you today. Look at this. I mean, this takes work. I don't like to dress up, but I did it for you. You're welcome. (laughs) Philippians 2, 7 and 8. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The reality of Christmas was that Jesus was a real man. Flesh and blood, he was a person, not a myth, not a fable, not a nice story, not something Disney came up with and made a movie about, right? He wasn't this floating spirit that was seen and then unseen. No, Jesus was a real man. I love what Charles Wesley put in his great hymn. He said, hark the herald angels sing, veiled in flesh the Godhead seen. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. You see, if God wanted to communicate with dogs, he would have came as a dog. If he wanted to communicate with birds, he would have came as a bird. But out of all the things God created, he wanted to communicate with people. So he chose us. He chose to become a person in the flesh. This is what the Bible calls the incarnation. Hmm? God came to earth, but he was a human being, a person like you and I. You say, how is Jesus like me? Well, number one, he was born like us. He was born of a woman, right? Number two, he grew like us. The Bible says in Luke 2, 5, Two, that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Third thing is, he was tempted like us. The Bible says in Hebrews that he was tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. He can relate to our temptation. And the last reason Jesus is like us is that he suffered like us. Matthew 26, 38 says, the sorrow is so great it almost crushed me. Jesus can relate to your pain and your hurt. Hmm? God came to earth, number one, 
Number two, God became man. And number three, Jesus came to die. This is the reason for Christmas, right? This is the reason. Hit your neighbor and say, this is the reason. This is the reason. Jesus didn't stay in the crib. No, he ends up going to the cross, voluntarily laying down his life for us. Why? He didn't have to. He was God. He could have called on 10,000 angels and stopped the process at any point. He didn't have to go to the cross. Nobody put him there without permission. Why did he allow himself to go to this cross? Two very important reasons that you need to know this Christmas season. Number one, he allowed himself to go to this cross to demonstrate God's love for humanity. To demonstrate this love. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His motivation was love. Someone say love. love. What's love got to do with it? Everything. When it comes to the Christmas story. Everything. If you want to know how much God loves you, look at the cross. If you ever doubt God's love for you, look at the cross. This cross that says, I'm madly in love with you. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter how many mistakes you make. The Bible says greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus calls you and I his friends. A lot of people in here may say, I, I'll give my life for a, maybe my child or a family member. Definitely not that aunt or uncle that you didn't like at Thanksgiving. But God said this, I'm going to give my life before you even know my son. Before you know me. Even before you're born. I'm going to give my life. Even I know the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And I know you're going to reject me at times, but I'm still going to give my life for you. He gave his life for us. That's love. Second reason Jesus came to die is he came to pay for my sins. Amen. See, when you break a law, you've got to pay a penalty. When you break man's laws, you have to pay man's penalties. When you break God's laws, you have to pay God's penalties. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift, someone say the gift. Oh, I hope you open that gift. I hope you open that gift either today or sometime in the future. The gift of God is eternal life. Jesus came to pay for that penalty that you and I owed. You know, it should have been us on the cross. We sinned. We messed up, not Jesus. He was sinless, tempted in all points, yet without sin. It should have been you and I, but Jesus stepped in to demonstrate why he came to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to testify that though your sins are many, they have been wiped clean because of the cross. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that because there's some things this week that I did that don't line up with that book. I know y'all are perfect with your halo so crooked on your horns right now. I'm just saying. 
Jesus came. First Peter 2.24 says this. He personally carried the load of our sins in his own body when he died on the cross so that we can be finished with sin and live a good life from now on for his wounds have healed ours. That's good news, church. That's the good news we heard about. When the baby was coming and the angel said, I bring you good news, great joy. That's it right there. That's it right there. Amen. Amen. Somehow what he did over 2000 years ago can make a difference in my life right now. In your life, you can be completely forgiven because of what he did over 2000 years ago. You can be completely healed in your mind, in your body. Because of what he did 2,000 years ago, this is the reason for Christmas. The angel said, for unto us this day is born a, what? Savior. The angels testified of the Savior that would save us from ourselves, that would save us from our sins. Unto us is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. What is, what does that mean? It means salvation. What is salvation? It means freedom. Someone say freedom, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from condemnation that I don't have to walk in it anymore. That my past is simply my past. It's over. It's covered in the blood and I'm moving forward. I'm ripping the rear view mirror out and I'm looking through the windshield that's taking me forward with Christ. Amen. Freedom, freedom from that guilt and the, the enemy that whispers in your mind that says, oh, you're not worthy enough to lift your hands in the presence of God. Why are you even at church after the week you had? Oh, I didn't mean to talk about you, but we're there. Let's go. Freedom from those thoughts that beat you up. You see, you always know that those thoughts are from the enemy because God doesn't beat us up. God, what does the Bible say? The goodness of God leads us to repentance. Not the meanness, not the madness. Oh, come on now. I stepped out from the pulpit. I got my nice brown jacket on. Come on, somebody. The goodness of God leads us. So if you have those thoughts, and I, I, I dare to say you do, because I do, right? How many times I'm sitting there at about 9.20 and saying, oh, or 9.40 or whatever, and I'm in worship, and I'm like, oh, God, I got to go up there and say What? <laughs> Someone else, pick someone else, God. I'm not worthy to do this. And I know right away those thoughts are from the enemy. I know right away I have to learn to cast down those thoughts, right? Because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. God wants you to live a life free. Someone say free. Free. The Bible says he who the sun sets free is free indeed. You were destined to live a life of freedom, not a life of bondage. We talked about Thursday overcoming that spirit of discouragement and depression. If you weren't here, please get on. I have never heard, uh, had that many people come up to me and say they needed that word from Thursday and all the time I'm preaching here. And so I encourage you. It encouraged me. Amen. And so, so, so we are to live a life of freedom, not a life of discouragement and depression. That's not what it is. Now there is mountaintops and there is valleys. We all go through them, right? Jesus said, and not, every, not everything's going to be roses and peaches, right? Come on. He said, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear no evil. 
You see, people mistake peace with having no conflict or tension. No, peace is in the middle of my circumstance, in the middle of conflict, in the middle of all hell breaking loose in my marriage, in my family, and at my job. I can walk in the peace of God. I got the peace because the Prince of Peace came down to testify of who he is. Huh? You see some people worshiping. You see some people always happy. It's not because their life is void of all of bad circumstances and tension. It's because they've tapped in to the Prince of Peace. They've realized that the answer is in him. And I may be in a storm, but I'm not staying in a storm. I'm going through the storm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm not camping out here. I'm not setting up a tent. I'm walking through this thing. Hit your neighbor and say, you're walking through this thing. I just felt my help coming. Come on, somebody. You're walking through this thing. See, the devil tried to get you to think that you're staying there. Doesn't he try to get us to think that? You're staying there. He tried to do it to David. David's out. What is he doing? He's a teenager. He's doing the last thing his daddy told him to do. Take care of the sheep, David. You know what the definition of faithfulness is? Doing the last thing God told you to do. Are you doing it? Or did you move on to something bigger and greater? Faithfulness. When no one's looking. When no one's patting you on the back. When no one sees you. Faithfulness. See, tomorrow I'll be in Manhattan having my end of the year meetings, my wife and I, for our fuel movement. For the thousands of young people that come out every year for our trainings and conferences. No one's seen The 10 kids that were back there 16, 17 years ago. Some of you did. The faithfulness of shepherding those kids, of giving them the word of God. And now the thousands come out to worship God because of the faithfulness that no one's seen. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. Don't despise it, my friend. Because where you're at is not where you're staying. It's where you're at. Be faithful with where you're at. And David said, you know what? All eight of my brothers are out shining. Huh? Putting shade on me while they're shining. Y'all know what that means? Google it. They put shade on me while I'm out. They're out shining. He's being faithful. And the whole time David said, I'm just going to remain. I'm going to remain. I'm going to remain. I know. I know what they're saying. Yeah, little David, he's just cleaning up the sheep poop. What a job. <laughs> what a job for David. And there he was, and he said, man, while I'm out here, I, better, I might as well learn something. So he picked up a few rocks, and he made him a slingshot out of the branches on the tree over there <clears throat> to the right. And he began to practice his slingshot methods while his brothers were down training in battle with swords and armor and all this stuff. But David said, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to be faithful to my God. I'm going to be faithful to my God. And the very thing that God had called him to do out in the desert, out on that hill, when nobody was looking at him but some dumb sheep. But God sees it. See, God sees your faithfulness when others don't see it. I hope you have Twitter because these are some good tweets. God sees your faithfulness when others don't see it. And so when it was time for this giant to be defeated, all the brothers who had the training, who had the qualification, who went through the schooling, who looked like they were big and buff and strong, like your pastor, 
I got you to laugh. See, it works every time, Wes. All the brothers that look like they fit the mold, right? All the brothers that society said, they're the one to take out this giant, this 10-foot giant. They're the one to defeat the Goliath from Gath. They're the ones. They couldn't defeat him. And God calls David to the forefront. And David defeats a giant that his brothers and the rest of the Israeli army ran from all because of faithfulness. See, your time's coming. Don't you give up. Your time's coming. God's going to interrupt the story of someone else's life who thought they had it all together, who had the image, who had the training, and he's going to, boom, move you in. You're going to slide in to that promotion, that job. You're going to slide in to that new house. I'm preaching to somebody. You're going to slide in to that breakthrough in your marriage. You thought it was over, but God said, no, it ain't over yet, baby. You're going to slide in to your promotion. Others said, you know, you're unqualified. I'm so thankful that God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And it's the called that are faithful. It's the called who say, you know what? I'm going to keep serving in my local church. I'm going to keep giving to God no matter what it looks like. I'm going to keep God first in my house no matter who goes sideways, no matter who goes out serving the world. I'm going to stay faithful to my God. There's something with someone who's faithful. Huh? There's something about someone who remains faithful in the midst Oh, faithfulness isn't always pretty. I don't know why I'm going here. Do you notice it's not in my notes? Okay, that's Holy Ghost. Just receive it. Boom, receive it. You're out. There's something about a man or woman who remains faithful in their marriage when they want to run, when they have a right to run. I didn't mean to preach, but I'm going to. Notes are done. There's something about someone who's faithful at their job. When they clock in, when no one's looking, and they know they could get away with it and come late. There's something about someone who's faithful in honoring God with their giving. There's something about someone who is faithful to serve God's house with their gifts and talents. There's something that takes place in their life that I cannot explain. Here's David comes to the battlefield with ham and cheese and caprisons. I love caprisons, by the way. Here he is to deliver the lunch. And God says, oh, you thought you were just delivering lunch, but I have other plans. I want you to hit your neighbor and say, God has other plans for you. Yeah, you you thought it was going to go one way, and God said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm about to promote you in the midst of your enemies. Oh, oh, hit your neighbor and say, the haters are going to hate. Yeah, 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 yeah. The haters are your elevators. They're going to take you up to the penthouse, baby. You ain't going to be down there. You keep your heart right. You keep your mind right. You keep quoting the word. Don't rent evil for evil. You rent blessings on their life. You rent increase on their life. Even if they've done you wrong, you continue to pour out the blessings of God on their life and watch God promote you in the midst of your haters. Oh, this thing's coming off right now. It's all tacked and everything. Help me out, Tara. Come on. Come on, wife. A wife of my youth, praise God. 17 years. Still fire in the oven. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
in the midst of your enemies. I love the scripture because the Bible says in Psalms that he'll prepare a table, Brother Victor, yes, sir. in the presence. Yes. I'm a, what that means to me is, I, if you can't tell, I'm excited right now. What that means to me is I'm going to be sitting at a table. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. I should have had a table up here, but I didn't know I was going in this direction. Come on, Holy Ghost, speak it during the week. I should have. Imagine you're sitting at a table and it's all full of your favorite foods. I don't know what your favorite foods is, but it's all full. Your favorite drinks are there. You're sitting at the table. God says, in the presence, I'll prepare you a table. A table full of food in the presence of your enemy. He goes, you think the valley is going to swallow you up. You think the darkness is going to overcome the light. But God said, I have a way when you're faithful. I have a way because I'm the Lord, your God. I am the great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. We're still in Psalms 23. How we got to Psalms 23, I don't know. But we there. The Lord is my shepherd and when he's my shepherd, remember, he's the Lord. That means he's the ruler. He's the overseer. He's calling the shots. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, sh- I don't even need anything else in my life. I, what do I need for Christmas? My wife, what do you need for Christmas? I don't need anything. Really? Really? I, I want to give things away for Christmas. I'm giving families Christmas and people in here Christmas. That, that's what I love to do. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want any other thing. He leads me beside still waters. The peace of God is going to lead me in every decision I make. I'm going to tell you what, every day I pray as I make decisions for this church. Every day I'm making decisions for this church. And I need the peace of God to lead me. I need the peace of God to lead me. I need the peace of God. Someone asked me the other day, what's the hardest part of your job? Making the right decision. I want to make the right decision. I mean, it's not preaching. I spend a lot of time, hours upon hours, studying, preparing, but it's, it's those decisions that I got to make because they just don't affect me. It affects this church. It affects the community. It affects people who are lost and far from God. So he's going to lead me beside still waters. He's going to lead me beside still waters. What's the rest of it? Someone quote it. I know some of the Bible, but not all of it. Lead me still waters. He restores my soul. My soul is my mind, my will, my emotions. Has it ever been out of whack? This week, we had a come to Jesus moment with our kids. You know what that is? That means we're going to ship you off if you don't shape up. And we put the fear of God in them. Friday night. Friday night had everything planned out. We were going to build these wonderful, oh, you've seen my picture of the wonderful gingerbread houses we made, but you didn't know the fight that came before that. Oh, you didn't know. You saw the wonderful homemade pizzas. We're watching our movie. You know, all this wonderful stuff. But we had to have a come to Jesus moment. And it got got real up in the house. I ain't never seen my wife like I seen her Friday night. I was like, I'm sleeping in the basement, y'all. T. Lynn is on fire right now. (laughs) It was real. So my soul, our souls were all, have been all worked up over some things with our kids over the last few months. 
We've been dealing with that. And it all came out Friday. It all came out. It blew up. It blew up. It was like a volcano. It blew. Yeah, it blew. The neighbors were like, you're pastors? Are you sure? Are you sure you don't sell cars? Because I don't think that should be coming out of a pastor's home. Yeah, it was loud. The lights in the cul-de-sac were flickering. Maybe we won't win the award. But our soul had been under pressure. Our soul had been just discontent. Have you, has your soul ever been discontent? He said, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. If I follow Christ, I'm going to make the right decisions. It's when I follow my emotions that I make the wrong decisions. Someone said, how do I live righteous? Follow him. Follow his word. This is what his word's for. It's not for us just to join on Sunday and open his word. No, you got to follow it every day, church. You got to put the word in you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. If faith comes by hearing the word, faith goes out by not hearing. So we have a whole lot of people that call themselves Christians with no faith, and they're not living righteous because they don't have a revelation of the word. My time's out. See what you guys did to me? You have to stay for second service to get the last two points. He restores my soul. He leads me in passive righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk. What was David trying to get to? He was trying to get to the valley part. Because he said, I'm, God, God, God gives you peace. He leads you in righteousness. He's your shepherd, even though you're in the valley. And he said, by the way, by the way, I ain't even going to leave a cliffhanger on it. I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your haters in the presence of them. The people who mocked you, the people who told you you would never make it, that your marriage would fail, people who told you you'd never get ahead financially, I'm going to prepare a table before them. And they're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. They're going to see the blessing of God on that table. And you're going to eat, and you're going to be merry, and you're going to sing, and you're going to shout in the presence of your enemies. Prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Surely, by the way, he said, there's two things that are going to follow you. Not surely. If your name's Shirley, you're not following us. Goodness and mercy will follow you. Yeah. You got me. Yeah. Oh, I'm in the vat, but yep. Always someone follow me. Two people. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy, goodness, and mercy. That's why I'm trying to get you to realize that your God is a good God. That's why I'm trying to get you to realize that church should be a place of good news, that heralds good news, not sad news, because goodness and mercy is following you every day. You don't even know they're following you. You don't even know the mercy of God that saved you from that accident. You don't even know the mercy of God that protected your children. You don't even know the goodness of God that supplied you with that food, that supplied you with the money for that bill. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What that means is you can't lose with the stuff we use, baby. Stand with me. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, 
God is there. His love is unconditional, and, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved, and I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you to find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.